Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse Pam McMillan. Hey Ron, how are you today? I'm good, Pam. How are you doing? I'm good. Do you ever love those full circle um, stories that come back around? You know, I do. It, it's one of those things, too, that makes you kind of sit back and pause and, and, and reflect, right? Yes. You know, that's one of my favorite things about um, the 24 hours in the Canyon bike race. It seems never fails that we always get one or two emails that, you know, most people come just for the competition. Um, but then we always hear those um, stories that people are diagnosed or they really get the meaning of the race. And those just um, warm my heart up. Yes, they do. Uh, mine as well. And I tell you, um, the interesting thing about it is, Pam, um, I, I've said this numerous times. I should write a book and be nothing but the stories that come out of 24 hours in the canyon, uh, whether it's um, why someone is there or whether it is uh, after the fact, you know, that it's totally changed their outlook or their perspective on uh, 24 hours. It never ceases to amaze me what happens from that weekend. And I think the cool thing about it is, is it really validates what we do and why we, why we do 24 hours in the canyon. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, most definitely. So, you know, that, that leads us to our guest today. And I tell you, uh, you guys uh, who are listening um, to today's podcast are in for a treat. Um, I've known our guest uh, for, for a number of years, and uh, our paths crossed uh, a while back, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be very meaningful for you. So I'm excited to have today's guest, but I have to tell you first, Pam, I have to let you know. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about how we have a Texas accent, right? <laughs> kind of get made fun of. We, we do. We say y'all and we say fixin and all those uh, a variety of Texas uh, words. But our guest today is not from Texas. Um, so he doesn't have a Texas accent. Uh, he's from Oklahoma and he has an Oklahoma accent. And I think you'll pick up on it. Uh, and, and those of you listening uh, uh, today's episode will pick up on his Oklahoma accent. And uh, I'm super excited to welcome Alan White to our podcast today. Alan, how are you? Morning, Ryan. Morning, Pam. Uh, doing grand. Thanks. How are you guys? I love the accent. <laughs> yeah, it's a li little, little eastern Oklahoma. Ireland's a bit east of Oklahoma. <laughs> I, I told you, I warned you, didn't I, Pam? You did. Do we need to go get some leprechauns and four-leaf clover? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, know uh, you remember when we first started our podcast and we sat down and we were like listing out who we wanted and what we wanted to tell. And we, we want to focus on telling stories and stories of survivorship because ultimately, you know, um, everybody's story is different. And today's guest with Alan, it's no different. His story is very unique. And uh, I'm excited for our listeners. 
Um, I know Alan's story. Pam, you don't know Alan's story. And our listeners, uh, I'm excited for all of y'all today to hear Alan's story. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Alan and say, Alan, tell us about yourself and uh, tell us about your story. Yeah, so just a little bit about kind of my background and my story and how Ryan and I uh, came to meet. So uh, originally from Belfast and Northern Ireland, uh, grew up there, um, came over to the U.S. to Oklahoma to go to college uh, around 1995-ish. Was a soccer player growing up, was a soccer player in college. and so uh, really being here in Oklahoma ever since 95, which is a little unusual. Um, Irish folks are typically are typically nomadic. We tend to, to move around a lot. Um, so it's a little bit odd that I stayed in Oklahoma of all places um, <laughs> since then. Um, but yeah, so I've always been fair, fairly active over the years. Um, eventually, my, my knees gave out playing soccer, too many surgeries. And so um, I had to find something else to, to kind of do that was, was active um, and really you know, competitive as well. Um, so I started getting into bikes, um, mountain bikes, mountain bike racing. Um, I had a friend here in Oklahoma who told me I needed to go do uh, a local race here, a race series called Tour de Dirt. And so I, I showed up in it on, on an old, old mountain bike um, and raced in it. And uh, so I came in last and, and that was kind of the, the hook for, okay, this is fun, but I don't want to be last. Uh, right. And so really started getting involved in the, the mountain bike scene here in Oklahoma and surrounding area in, in Texas. Um, and, and as I got older, you know, raced more, figured out, you know, I wasn't very fast in shorter races um, and started figuring out, hey, these longer ones, these 12, 24-hour multi-day races are, are kind of my thing of being able to go long distances for long periods of time. Um, most of them are, are eating contests and, and I like to eat food. So it was, it was a perfect <laughs> exactly. match. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. For those of you that don't know, um, as Alan just said, for 24 hours, um, you burn a lot of calories and you need to replenish those calories. And it usually doesn't look like um, a salad or healthy foods, right, Alan? It does not. It is what I tell folks who are just starting into it is you, you have to think like a college kid and you have to eat like a college kid. <laughs> uh, That's a great example. Yeah. So as much trash as you can put into your system, you want calories upon calories upon calories. Yep. Yeah. And, and so... so yeah, over the years, started doing more of these events, and and the really kind of somewhere around the, the 2011, 12 ish range, I heard about this event out in uh, Texas in Paladura Canyon, this 24 hour race, and I thought that 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 sounds like something fun, um, and I'd heard you know just about the mission behind it, so that's something I'd like to go do, and so. I came out and, and raced it for a couple of years and, and had a blast doing that. And, and that's, you know, got introduced to Ryan when 24 hours was kind of a, a fledgling idea um, really taken off. Um, and, and the event itself has really exploded from there. 
Um, and, and that kind of really takes us up to uh, 2014. And, and I really I started fundraising pretty hard and heavy at that point. It was something that I was, you know, look, this is, it, it's, it's something I can relate to. Uh, my, my dad passed away um, from prostate cancer at a young age. Um, and so it, it really, you know, it affects everybody. Um, and so in 2014, that's when I really started fundraising hard and heavy for 24 hours. Can I ask yeah, how much you know, raised? Okay. Yeah, it was, I think it was somewhere north of $3,000. Um, Ryan probably has a better idea of, of it <laughs> yeah. at that point. You're, you're in the ballpark. It was just over 3000 And, uh, you know, um, you're right. When we first started, Alan, we were, as you said, a fledgling event trying to find our way through the um, ultra endurance uh, mountain biking and road biking scene and trying to really nail down a start and, and get the mission out there. And I think right around the time that you're talking about around 2014 was where we really started to see um, things take off at 24 hours in the Canyon. Now you've, you had participated for several years, right? Before 2014. I had, so I I'd participated for several years before 2014. And, and in those years, it, you know, that was, there was a geared category and, and that was about it. And I think one of those years I decided to, to race it on a single speed, fat bike so my, my claim to fame is i had the initial fastest known time for a single speed fat bike at 24 hours it was the only known time but it was still the fastest <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening to uh in the in the mountain bike world uh if you're able to own a fastest known time uh record it it means really absolutely nothing but to you right alan it, Yep, that, that's spot on. And that's the beauty, I think, of, of these, you know, the event that you, you guys have is everything about it is about personal accomplishment. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a race going on, but but that's kind of a side to, you know, the personal accomplishment of, of lining up on the start line of that event. Oh, I would totally agree. And I think uh... – Everyone, everyone who's been a part of 24 Hours in the Canyon would agree as well is that uh, while there is a competition, because as, as everyone uh, says, if there's more than two people, it's a race, um, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, walking down the hall or driving on I-40 or racing bikes or riding bikes at 24 Hours in the Canyon, it, it's a race, but yet it's an internal race after the, the proverbial gun goes off and everybody takes off, then it becomes really individualistic. Alan, share with us, if you would, if you have kind of a, a memory of one of your favorite memories of 24 hours in the canyon. Yeah, so I'll, I'll never forget kind of one of my first times doing the, 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 the race. Um, it, it's, you know, 2 a.m. Um, you know, it is pitch black in the canyon and you have really the, the stars that are just lit up the night sky. And I'll never forget just the, the view um, up on one of the bluffs of just the, the millions upon millions of stars um, while we're, we're racing up there. And, and there was a, a young guy at the time, he was probably early 20s, who was, he and I were riding together for a little bit. Um, and it's the middle of the night and he, he was asking me, hey, or, or, you know, do you, you plan on pulling over to sleep at some point? 
I remember turning to him and saying, I, I have three kids. I don't need sleep. This is, you know, this, this is resting for me. <laughs> You've been training for it your whole life, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, for oh our listeners, one of the favorite things that we do here with our survivors is we do the full moon hike. And I can totally understand where Alan's coming from because when we take our survivors out there, we go to yeah. the rim and here's this beautiful full moon and stars. And it's just a beautiful sight to see. You know, one of the things a lot of people, when they start maybe of, of their first time of, of participating in 24 hours or, um, thinking about it, but you know, they're, they're scared to ride at night and that scares them so much. And I tell everybody all the time, here's the thing, you know, um, especially if you're doing the non-competitive portion, you need to do at least one lap. Doesn't matter how long it takes, go ride at night. Because I think what most everyone will find is first is that they enjoy it more than they thought they would, but two, they will see things like the stars, but they will see critters. They will see things that they never, ever thought they would see on a, a bike, whether it's a road bike or a mountain bike, um, by, by riding at night. It, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things to do, especially at Paladura Canyon. Yep, for sure. And, and, and I'll chat to, to this in a, in a second. So probably one of my most favorite rides I've done out there as part of the event um was in 2015 um i was signed up for the full 24 um i rode maybe six to eight during the day um and then hung out at night with the folks that were there and, and slept most of the night got up the next morning and rode for another six hours and it was fantastic um, <laughs> that's such a nice way to do it yes yeah yeah have fun with it for sure. Yep. So Alan, let's go back to, uh, we, we talk a lot, we've been talking a lot about, uh, the year of 2014. So let's go back to 2014 if we can, and, um, tell us the rest of your story. Yeah. So in, in 2014, um, really around the October time frame, I wasn't feeling great and, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, and I'm one of those people who's just, um, very analytical about tracking stuff. And so, and bike training, you know, is really just tracking, you know, food intake, calories, consumed calories, burned, um, the whole nine yards. Um, and, and I should have been feeling really good, but I wasn't. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And so uh, went went to our, our family physician um, that we've had for years um, and really just had a very transparent conversation with her of, look, I, I, I'm not feeling right. Something feels off. I, I don't know what it is, um, and I'm hoping that, you know, you can start us down the path of figuring out what it is. And, and she did a full physical, and, you know, everything looked good. And then she said, you know, have you ever had your thyroid checked? Um, and, and that was one of those, if I ever had my thyroid checked, I'm a, you know, mm. late 30s, healthy male. Why would I want right. to have my thyroid checked? And so, you know, she explained the impact of the thyroid, um, you know, from a gland perspective uh, on the hormonal system and all that. She said, let's just get it scanned. You know, let's make sure there's nothing going on there. And then, we, we, you know, we can decide what else we need to check from there. 
And so she ordered a, an ultrasound on my thyroid. Um, and so I, I show up for the ultrasound. Um, and I think every cancer survivor has a story very similar to this, if not identical, of I go in for the ultrasound, the tech's in there. She starts the ultrasound. She's very chatty, very friendly. And then she gets quiet. And that's kind of the, huh, right. something's, up, something's up here, right? Um, and she doesn't say a word. And, you know, anxiety starts to rise. And so she she gets up, <clears throat> excuse me, and says, you know, excuse me for just a second. And she goes out comes back into the room with a radiologist and a doctor and you know they're all looking at the screen and ultrasound in the same place and at this point you know everything starts to become very overwhelming of hey something's going on here and it's not good um and so the the doctor then said hey look there's a there's a mass here uh there's some nodules. We need to biopsy them to see what's going on. Right. And uh, I'm and I'm still in that. Okay, you know, it's just it's probably nothing. Um, when do we need to do this? Thinking it's one of those. Ah, next week's fine. And they they said no tomorrow, um, or sorry that afternoon. And so <laughs> that same afternoon, they stick the biggest needle I've ever seen um, into my neck to, to biopsy Ooh. this ma- mass. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I've heard this from other cancer survivors, that initial kind of, they're starting to figure things out. It, it's all extremely overwhelming. Um, your, your world feels like it's really spinning out of control and that you don't have any control over what's going on. Yeah. So, I know, Pam, you, you tend to refer to that as... Uh, you just stepped onto a super fast, uncontrolled roller coaster, right? Yes, it's you get that diagnosis and you go ninety to nothing until you hit that brick wall of finishing treatment and then realizing what the heck did I just go through? It's scary for patients. Yeah, and that's a great analogy for it. And and it's yeah, it's you know it's very unnerving to have things start to, to spin out of control like that and and that was you know i got the the biopsy results a, a day or two later and and that's when they told me that i had a uh, papillary thyroid cancer and we needed to start down a path of, of surgery and treatment and they, they scheduled surgery for uh, it was a couple it was about a week before christmas um and, and again you know i everything's spinning out of control um and at that point you know, after my diagnosis, I, I did what I, you know, hindsight's wonderful being 2020 looking back. Sure. Um, I, I did what I consider to be one of the worst things you can possibly do when you get a cancer diagnosis, and that's go on the internet. <laughs> Where a lot of yeah. people think Google is their doctor, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. Between Google and just, you know, forums, um, of going on there and you know nobody posts in forums about how good their experience was how much control they had over it right oh, no. uh, yeah. uh, everything was doom and gloom and you know you, you go to a very very uh dark place and you know you start thinking in terms of you know okay i, I told my kids about this diagnosis and i they're part of this you know my wife 
and reading this stuff online, you know, these, it, it doesn't look good. And, you know, you start really spinning out of control. Um, and, and so I had my, what I say is my first surgery about a week before Christmas. Um, and they removed one half of my thyroid. Um, they did a lab test, uh, while I was out and basically said, Hey, this is all we need to remove. Um, and they zipped it back up. And then two days later, they called back to say the full labs and what they removed um, show it had, uh, there was some metastasized in the lymph nodes and they needed to go remove the other half uh, along with some lymph nodes. And so they called me back in a day before Christmas Eve to pull out the other half. Um, And so that, and then after that surgery, they immediately jumped to, Okay, now we need to start scheduling um, some pretty hardcore radiation treatment, which for for thyroid cancer patients, it's very, very destructive um, on your body. And and so that was at that point between Christmas and just after New Year was kind of a a watershed moment for myself when when I kind of decided, hey, up to this point, everybody's been making decisions for me. Um, about my healthcare and 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 cancer has kind of been the thing driving those decisions, and so I I made the very deliberate choice um, that you know cancer doesn't get to decide how this is going to go. I'm the one who gets to decide that. Um, wow! And for me, that was a big kind of switch in my mindset of, hey, you know, uh, I I can either you know, continue down this dark path and things are not going to turn out well, or I can own this, I can control it, and I can make decisions about what I can control. Wow. That's powerful. Very powerful. Yep. And and so at that point, I decided, hey, I, you know, best place in the world for this is MD Anderson in Houston. Probably going to take forever to get in there. And so I called them, told them my situation. And, and they basically said, can, can you come down next week? And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I went down there the following week and had all my lab results and stuff sent down there. Um, and I met with um, the, my doctor down there, endocrinologist, was rewriting the guidelines on treatment of thyroid cancer. And so after she looked at the labs, you know, did evaluations, she said, hey, look, I, I'm going to give you the choice of, I don't think you need to do the radiation treatment yet. I think we can monitor it. You're in otherwise very good health. Um, I think if we get, you know, you manage, you know, with Synthroid, we manage your uh, thyroid globulin levels uh, that I think, you know, we'll have a very positive outcome. Um, Cause your typical thyroid cancer patient um, is, um, you know, women in their mid to late fifties who, you know, are overweight, have other health issues. And that was, I couldn't wrap my head around, you know, that of, Hey, I don't, I don't fit that bill. So what, you know, why is this happening? Sure. And and I think for me, that was a big thing is, is cancer doesn't discriminate. It does not, you know, it doesn't go, Oh, I can't do that person because they don't fit this box. It doesn't, it doesn't care. You know, Pam, this uh, listening to Alan's story and um, those that are, are listening to the, to the, today's podcast, 
you know, they're probably, if they've, if they've been following our podcast, they're probably thinking back to um, one of our previous episodes where we talked about talking to your doctor and asking for a second opinion and really taking ownership as the consumer. Here's what you can do. You have the right to do this. And I mean, in essence, Alan, you went for a second opinion. Yeah, I mean, I really did. And it was one of those, like, I'd never done that before. Like, in, in any of my other healthcare things, I'd, I'd never done anything like that is, you know, we tend to take, you know, doctors are very smart, intelligent people, right? But but they're also, right. they're, they're people, they, they're, they're humans. And so for me, it was a, hey, I, you know, I do want to go get a second opinion on this, you know, I, I fully believe what my initial doctor is telling me is, you know, the right course of treatment that, that he knows about and that, that works based on what he's done. But, but I want to go hear some other thoughts on this and then make my own decision from there. And that's so important. You know, um, you have to have the right team that's for you and that will listen to you. Um, sometimes we just take the doctor's word and just go with it, but then second guess ourselves afterwards. So, yeah, you know, Pam, I tell you, um, this is a, a good spot here in our podcast episode today for me to jump back a little bit, you know, so Alan has gone to MD Anderson and, and the side that Alan hasn't shared with everybody. Um, I want to throw out there because, um, this is, this is kind of the way things happen. So, um, I, I receive an email, um, and I'm looking at it right now, December 18th of 2014, and I've saved it. I've saved it because I save all of these and put them in a file. And when I question, you know, or gosh, it's hard to figure this problem out of 24 hours or, you know, uh, it rained and people were unhappy or whatever the situation was. I go back to emails like this that I receive. And it's, it's again, it's not uncommon or, or to hear these stories, but uh, this email came from Alan. And I, I remember much like Alan probably does and all of our survivors do as to when they heard those words, you know, this is the type of cancer you have, or you have cancer. And I, I remember receiving this email. It was on a, and it was on a Monday and it, it was one of those deals. It's kind of like, Oh, wow. This is who, you know, and the title of it is life has a strange way of throwing curveballs. Now, Alan told you, you played soccer. I don't think Alan, you ever played baseball. I did not know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he goes on to tell me the story a little bit in a nutshell of, of what uh, he has shared thus far. Um, but the interesting thing, though, Pam, is the year that Alan raised the $3,000 or a little over $3,000 um, at 24 Hours in the Canyon on the, in 2014, uh, Alan was the third highest fundraiser that year. And um, to, 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 put it in perspective, you know, we, we recognize our top three, right? So anytime you have, it's kind of like the Olympics, you get first, second, third. Um, and we recognize our top three fundraisers because it's important. And Alan that year was given, uh, the, his award that year was, uh, two round trip tickets anywhere, anywhere that Southwest airlines flies. Now, Pam, where, where would you go if you got 
two round trip tickets anywhere Southwest Airlines flies. I think I'd go to a beach somewhere where it's not too hot. Just yeah, yeah. Take the family, enjoy. Yeah. A little, you've earned it. You're right. Yeah. You, you, you earned these. Well, you know where Alan went for his two tickets on Southwest Airlines. I could probably guess, but I would love to hear where Alan um, used his tickets to. Alan, where did you fly to? There, there, there was a beach, Pam. It wasn't far away. The, the beach is, was in Galveston, but I, I used those tickets to fly to Houston to go down to MD Anderson. So I think, you know, the the, the good Lord in the world has a, a works in mysterious ways sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, and and I remember too looking at this email. Um, there, there's a couple of statements here. Uh, but I want, I want to come back to these statements in a second, but t- tell us a little bit more about your time at MD Anderson, uh, world-class location. Um, they tell you to wait, not do the radiation, and they'll follow you, right? Yeah, so essentially the, the game plan, and I think that was the important thing, is it, it felt like a game plan put together by you know a, a team of doctors, so a team of folks and myself. And, and you know, t- to use another sports analogy was you know they were the ones coming up with this game plan at the end of the day I was the coach and it was my decision what we were going to do um and so the the game plan was we were going to manage it uh, with medication and and for those of you who've had thyroid cancer or thyroid problems and, and been on Synthroid you know how difficult it is to get the correct dose of Synthroid figured out and so I went through it. It's usually about somewhere between, oh, it's it, at the high end, it's about six months before figuring out, okay, this is the correct dose for me. And and you have multiple things going on in that time frame of heart flutters. You know, you can have weight gain, weight loss, and, and there's nothing you can do about it until you kind of get this, okay, this is the right dosage. Um but, but for me, that was kind of a, okay, that's a minimal thing to go through to, to figure this out and kind of stay on top of this um, versus a way more destructive path. And, and so I went back there to MD Anderson. Initially, it was uh, three months, and then we went every six months after that. And then, you know, eventually we went to going every year. Um, and that, that obviously led up to... Um, June of 2015 and so you know I, I hadn't hadn't been on my bike um you know a, a still recovering um you know just kind of riding here and there you know a, a ride a, a block around the neighborhood would just absolutely obliterate me and put me out and and so you know I, I reached out to Ryan and told him hey uh, I'm coming down in June I want to do 24 hours in June um, six months after cancer surgery. Um, and I told others that as well. And they're like, you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. I right. Cancer and I still think that I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I, and, and that was that race in, in, in June or of 2015, it, it took on a whole kind of new meaning and perspective. So, you know, one of the neat things when you start 
the event is seeing all the, the cancer survivors kind of lined up on the side of the road there as you start. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, I, when, when you're not a cancer survivor, you know, you kind of see those folks and, you know, you kind of feel for them. Um, and 2015 as a cancer survivor, starting that was pretty emotional. Um, just cause seeing those folks, like I, I knew what they'd been through. And so there was a real kind of connection there of, Hey, I get it. I, I totally get it and understand it. Right. Um, so yeah, and that was that was pretty powerful. It's a club yeah, that you, you never want to join, but once you join, it's you get where they've been or the emotion, the everything that comes with the diagnosis of cancer. Yep, it really does. And and cancer survivors have have this bizarre. I call it this bizarre dark humor, right? Um, <laughs> and and you you kind of have to a little bit of. You know, we talk about, you know, when folks find out that, that we have cancer, like their immediate reaction is, you know, they, they don't know what to say to you, you know, right. you know, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to act. And, you know, our response is, is usually one of, hey, just, you know, keep being there. Just keep being a friend. You know, it's, you know, don't don't not talk to me that's the worst possible thing you can do right right you know pam going back to the email that i've been referring to um alan alluded to this but uh his last couple of statements on here said i fully intend to win this battle and fully intend to be lined up may 30th 2015 in palo Duro to race for 24 hours as a survivor and um you know that's one of those deals that um I think knowing Alan and, and he, he, he set it as a goal and said, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to be there. Even riding through the neighborhood is so tiresome. I'm going to be there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something because it does, it, it, it changes you and you have this whole new perspective lining up. And now you were one of the people um, who should be lining the road, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, those, those folks that, that line their, that road is every one of them has, has their own story, um, you know, uh, no less powerful than, than my own. Um, you know, everybody has their own journey and, on you know, where they go with this thing and, and what they do with it. Um, and it's just, it's an, it really is an amazing sight to see, um, those folks that, that, that line that road when you start. And that was, you know, that, that year, my intentions going down there were kind of, Hey, uh, you know, let's just see how far I get, see how far I go. Um, you know, and we'll kind of take it from there. And it was a fun, fun ride. And that was the one I was mentioning earlier where, you know, I rode for, you know, five or six hours on the uh, Saturday that I kind of split up. And then I hung out with a lot of the folks in the, in the party pit that night uh, <laughs> and, 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 and got a wonderful night of sleep and got up the next morning and, and, and rode some more. Um, certainly a different experience than what I was used to, but probably the most enjoyable one. For sure. For sure. You know, um, for those of you listening you may be thinking like, ah, what is, what's, what's a party pit? And what, what is, uh, I thought it was a mountain bike and road bike race. And, <laughs> you know, 
there, there are, as Alan has, has said, and I've said, there's a lot of ways to look at 24 hours, um, you know, from, from as simplistic as having fun to, um, burying your head and entering what, uh, cyclists refer to as the pain cave, um, to where all you're focused on is the next pedal stroke. And when you're in that mode, you don't get to see a lot of the interesting things and the be a part of the fun things that happen because uh, you're too busy riding and too busy suffering out there uh, on the trail or on the road. Um, but yeah, the, there is, and there is too, for those of you that have been there, uh, there is a great distinct difference between the uh, what's termed the pit area, which is where the people have and they congregate and they change out riders if you're on a team and so forth. And, um, and in this case, in the mountain bike area, it is a big, big party area uh, compared to the road, which is more hardcore, quiet. You could hear pin drop over there. Um, not so much in the mountain bike area, right, Alan? Yeah, very much so. And that was, <laughs> you know, in the, in the past, I'd always kind of just raced the event. And I think that was the first year that I can say I actually truly experienced it. Right. And that was, you know, I would encourage folks to, you know, and really that was one of the things that kind of spun out of, of my cancer diagnosis is to, to really focus on experiences in life versus transactions. Um, and, and for, for me, that was kind of a big takeaway of, Hey, you know, you, you get a second chance here, you know, don't, don't waste it really do focus on experiences versus transactions. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting. So that the fall, that following November, my, my wife and I can, again, dark humor joke about November in our household is, is never, a, it wasn't a good month for a number of years. So that following November, um, again, going back to the doctor, you know, getting, uh, uh, seeing the dermatologist, getting annual checkups, that stuff. And the, uh, she finds some spots on my chest. And I was like, Hey, kind of need to check these out. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, here we go again. Uh, you know, being down this path, I know exactly what's coming next and you know they biopsied it left the room and i i joked with my wife before she even came back like being here done this i know exactly sure. what she's coming in to tell me now and sure enough she came back in it's like yep it's basal cell carcinoma you know there's a handful of areas we need to cut out and and so they cut oh it's probably about a three inch long by one inch wide by about probably 10 millimeters deep section out of my chest that, that was cancerous. Um, wow. And so it, it was, if I didn't have that first experience with thyroid cancer, you know, the second one uh, with skin cancer probably would have been much different. Um, but, but that was very much, I'd learned before, Hey, I, you know, I own this, you know, this is just another, flavor another variant that doesn't get it to control me i get to pick and choose how we we go about handling this and, and, and the treatment of it um and so took the same approach of a gathered a team of folks of what do we need to do here um we've included um my oncologist and endocrinologist from md anderson to see hey is there any links between these two cancers uh, and went down that path and and that all 
you know, ended uh, well with, with really, again, just monitoring no further action needed at that point in time. Um, and so it was kind of, if it kind of one of those, if I didn't have that first experience, I'm sure the second one would have been much different. Wow. Absolutely. You know, Pam, uh, it never ceases to amaze me. The, the little nuggets of, you know, sound bites or information or whatever you want to call it that our guests share with us. I think it's the wisdom, you know, like he said, cancer doesn't control him. He's just living with it and he took control of it instead of it taking control of him, which I really like. Right. Oh yes. You know, if we could encourage all of our, our survivors and listeners to, to have that, that perspective. But I think the other two is, you know, um, focusing on experiences and not transactions, Alan, I think that's, um, to me is really, really important for all of us, not just, you know, those that have gone through cancer. I think that's something that every single person can, can take away from, from you, um, as a best practice. Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit cliche to say, you know, Hey, cancer changes you as a person, but, but it really truly does. Um, and it, in, in so many different ways, um, you know, we're all very, you know, focused on being, you know, extremely successful in career, so on and so forth. Um, I think the thing that, that, you know, getting a cancer diagnosis tends to do to you is it, it tends to, to refocus on, Hey, at the end of the day, you know, what's really important in, in, in your life and your world, you know, it, it's your family, it's your friends. Um, it, it, it's giving back and helping others. Um, and so, you know, it, it's 2020 is the perfect example of, you know, I tell folks hey we yeah we got hit with a with a global pandemic and it is terrible um but again and it's 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 an obstacle right that right you have a you have a choice of you know you either let it control you and your world spirals out of control or you make a choice of here are the things that i can control in the midst of this and, and i'm going to go about you know, my daily life, knowing what I can control and what I can't. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, you know, cancer really does change and flips your perspective on the world. Before we get to our last segment, um, we've talked a lot about this race. Um, Ryan, how do people get involved? And if we have survivors out there listening, thinking they want to get on the bike for 24 hours, how do they sign yeah. up? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, those of you that are listening today, uh, there's still time to register for this year's event. Uh, the easiest way to do that is just to go to the website, the number 24hours, canyon.org. So it's 24hoursinthecanyon.org. Um, you can register there. You can find out all the information there. Again, you don't have to be uh, hardcore. Um, you don't have to have the most expensive bike. Really, all you need is a bicycle, you need a helmet, and uh, you need to sign up. That's really it. And I mean, we always say, if you can ride a bike, Pam, it doesn't matter what kind of bike it is, because I know you have a bike, uh, you can ride in 24 hours in the canyon. Right. And what if there are a survivor and want to get um, 
they want to line up to support those. Can they do that also? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? That's one of the, my most favorite parts, uh, that and the kids race. Those are my two most favorite parts of the event. Um, oh, and in the end of it as well. <laughs> those, are, those are, I would say, my three most parts, favorite parts of the event. Uh, but uh, for, for the, the lining up and our survivors to be a part of the send off, it's so important because we want them, we want you guys that are listening, that are survivors, to see everyone who's there and, and, and they're, they're there to support you. They're there to support the Survivorship Center. But we also want you to uh, be in the beautiful part of Paladura Canyon State Park and we'll feed you lunch and do all those things. And so uh, for information about that, you need to call the Survivorship Center at 331-2400. Talk to, you know, Pam or talk to Penny and uh, they'll get you signed up and uh, get you all the details about getting down there. It really is one of the most moving parts of the event, I think, without question. It's probably one of my favorite things, but... Um, so, Alan, one of the last things that we do is um, we end on a Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. We like to share with our listeners um, a positive moment maybe in your journey. Yeah, I, I would, you know, for me personally, uh, I would hearken back to that. You know, it really flipped my world into that, hey, focus on experiences, Um and not transactions um you know when you (laughs) when you come into what i'll refer to as such close contact with your own uh mortality it sort of changes everything um and really just focuses you on hey uh, you know uh, uh, human kindness is important um, and, and I think that's the one thing as part of experiences for, for us to focus on is, you know, at the end of the day, just just be kind to each other. Um, you, you really don't know what other people are going through. And kindness oh, yeah. doesn't cost. It's, it's, it is the most freeing thing on the face of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, Alan, it is the most free thing on the planet, but also for our listeners, as a reminder, I always love to throw this in because of 24 hours in the Canyon and because of the foundation, everything that goes on at the cancer survivorship center, it's free as well. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and something that, that I'd love to just add here. Uh, so I was recently back out in the Canyon uh, riding bikes with Ryan and we were chatting um, and, and one of the things that we talked about that, that is a very personal kind of concern of mine is, you know, again, with the, with a global pandemic going on, folks aren't going to see their doctors for things like, hey, I don't feel right and I need to get it checked out. And, and I would just encourage listeners of, hey, you, you know, if you're in that position and you don't feel right, go get it checked out. Um Early detection and early diagnosis is extremely important. Uh, and that's one of the things I'm concerned about in 2020 is that early detection and early diagnosis is not happening. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Alan, thank you for sharing with us today. I know, gosh, I your story is one of, you know, the many that I hear that just it brings chill bumps to my, my, my arms. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, 
uh, you know, I hate that anyone has to go through what they what they've gone through. Um, but to to have the perspective and have the um, the focus that you had going through treatment and coming out on the other side, um, those are just, it's important to share. And so I thank you for for being open and honest and real and, and just sharing that with our listeners today. Yeah, my pleasure, Ryan. Pam, I tell you, we 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 managed to pull some good guests, don't we? We do. I can't wait for next week to see what we have. <laughs> it, it'll be tough. I mean, no, it's always fun, right, to try to top the week before. And uh, some of them are hard. They're really hard. And um, again, we, we're committed to finding, you know, finding good uh, guests and sharing great information with our listeners. What speaking of our listeners, what do they need to do, Pam? What, what do they need to do to help us out? Well, they can um, share this podcast, like, subscribe, do all the things, um, click all the buttons. But again, give us your feedback. If you have any suggestions or want to hear topics, we would love to hear from you. If you need more information, you can contact us at info at 24survivorship.org, or you can call Penny or myself here at the Survivorship Center at 806-331-2400. Yeah. Simple, simple and easy, right? That's right. Well, I tell you what, I can't wait for next week. Uh, I, I know that I'll be here. I know, Pam, you'll be here. I'll be here. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure who we'll have, but so our listeners will have to come back and join us next week and uh, find out who our guest is. But I can guarantee them one thing, right? It's going to be good. It will be. It will be. Thanks, thanks a bunch, everyone, for joining us on Beyond the Ribbon, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.